Well, um, as an occasional speaker, I had the ability to choose which route I wanted to go this Sunday, um, and I decided to stay with Bryce's vision of Genesis, so we'll be picking back up uh, in Genesis 7, where Bryce left off last week. Uh, so that's where we'll be the majority of today. I'm going to pray quick because it puts my heart in a posture before the Lord. So, uh, dear Jesus, thank you for the gift to be here this Sunday and to be able to preach your word. I just pray that you would take the message from here and that your words would go forth and that your truth would be spoken. Uh, I just ask that everything be in accordance with your will and that I be submitted to you. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so um, I wanted to do a little recap of... Genesis 6. So uh, last week Bryce had three points. I'm just going to steal right from because he did it really well. Um, and I really appreciate how he's been going through Genesis. So a recap of Genesis 6. So we see in Genesis 6 in the beginning that God's plan for creation is corrupted beyond recognition. Um, and there's really no hope for it. Uh, so, and this is because of the wickedness of man. Sin has just, is the only thing present in the world except for in one man. And that is the righteousness of Noah. And God has grace upon Noah and instructs him to build an ark for the salvation of mankind and for the animals. And through that ark, we see the salvation of God. And that is what we will be looking at today in uh, judgment actually coming upon this world uh, in Noah's age. So, uh, kind of in my introduction, one of the things I wanted to look at is what the Bible says about Noah, and Bryce has talked about this quite a bit in the last couple chapters, um, but I want to dive into this a little bit more. So it says in Genesis 6, 5, and 8, but Noah found grace, grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Genesis 6, 9, it says this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in all his generation. Walk, Noah walked with God, and in Genesis 6, 22, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. And in Genesis 7, 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And then in Hebrews 11, 7, which Bryce talked about last week, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. And then in 2 Peter um, it mentions Noah very briefly, but it calls him a preacher of righteousness. Um, so what I wanted to point out is really the, what we're looking at here is a person of righteousness that did the will of God and was allowed to have salvation over his life, over his family's life, and for the continuance of the world, and that he found grace in the eyes of God because he was obedient. Um, just in those verses, he did according to all that God commanded him. He preached the righteousness of God. Um, and he was faithful, and he had faith in God, and the Lord honored that to the point where he gave Noah instructions that would save him. And that's now where we're at in chapter 7. So uh, I kind of, my goal for today is just to try to make it through Genesis uh, Genesis 7 and uh, hopefully proclaim Jesus in, in the midst of that. So um, I'm going to read, just starting out, uh, Genesis 7, 1 to 9. 
Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. Um, so I was doing some research on how long it would have taken approximately to build the ark. Um, we see in Genesis 6 that God said man shall live on the earth, or the judgment of man will be in 120 years, or the life of man will be 120 years in this generation. Um, and if you're like me, I kind of took on the notion that it took Noah about that long to build the ark, approximately. Um, but I was doing some research in Answers in Genesis, because when you want answers for Genesis, you go to Answers in Genesis. Um, and Ken Ham made the point that through a lot of math and genealogical work, we're looking at Shem and Japheth, that it probably only took 55 to 75 years to build the ark. Um, and it was most likely that Noah actually had help, had help outside of his family, and that uh, the ages of his sons um, at least Shem and Japheth, would have probably been between um, 40 to 50 years old when they took wives. So about 55 to 75 years to build the ark. Um, and so that's how long Noah had. Um, he had been given this message that judgment was going to come upon the earth and that he was to build the ark in this time frame, and then the flood would come. And so how long the span of time that was between building the ark, collecting all the food, and getting the animals it's probably around 70 to 75 years. And then I'm assuming he spent the rest of that time um, preaching the righteousness of God to anyone who would listen. Because um, Bryce did mention last week that the ark was gigantic, um, at least two-thirds bigger than it would have actually needed to be if the animals on the ark were of a smaller size and uh, were probably babies. Um, so there's the entering of the ark, and this is how I kind of broke up my message today. We have the entering of the ark, we have in the ark, and then we have the judgment where the ark is lifted up above the waters. Um, so Noah entered the ark due to his faithfulness and righteousness before God, and Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So now the ark is prepared, the judgment is ready to come upon the earth, um, and the object of salvation was complete for Noah. Um, what I was... I think the main focus of this uh, story is salvation. There's judgment, and then there's this gift of salvation that's given to man. Um, and Noah participated in this work of salvation. He built the boat by the commission of God, and that is uh, where he was faithful. The Lord had commanded him to do something, and that was for his salvation. We, as Christians, have the benefit of Christ coming and doing all of that work for us. Our ark, if you will, was created by Christ and his ministry on earth through the work of the gospel and through his death on the cross. And we just have to accept it and enter into that salvation and that grace. And so that was, that's the main point of that first series is that uh, 
Noah enters the Ark of Salvation, we get the chance to enter our own Ark in Jesus Christ and escape the coming judgment that is waiting for us, that we have been told is coming. Um, and so now we move into in the Ark. And this now the flood is present upon the earth. It's coming. And God commands Noah to actually enter the Ark. So if we read in Genesis uh, 10 to 16 of chapter 7, And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and their three wives, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh, which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went as God had commanded, and the Lord shut him in. Now the flood was on the earth forty days, and the waters increased and lifted above lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. So Noah has now entered the ark. Uh, he's been saved. Judgment is now coming on the rest of the earth, um, and he's protected. And I was looking at uh, what is special about this. And if you look at the name Noah, Lamech names him Noah, which says he will be the comfort of our people from the toil of our hands, essentially. Uh, so the name Noah uh, in Hebrew is actually pronounced Noach. And uh, it means rest or comfort. And so we see that Noah is entering the ark, which is salvation, and he is it's rest entering the ark. And we, in Christ, are to enter into our salvation and rest in it. And I thought that was really, that was really exciting to me, um, that as Christians who believe in Christ, we have come into the salvation and have recovered by the grace. And Noah, just as Noah was shut in to the ark, God has shut us into Christ Jesus, and we have been sealed in the blood of Christ, and now judgment has no way of touching us, because we are found in Christ, and we're to rest in that, and that the knowledge that yes, there's judgment, and yes, there is a hardship that's coming upon the earth, and there is every day of our lives, but we will be lifted up above that, because we are found in grace, and Noah, I am sure, endured difficulty on the ark, there was the care of the animals, um, there was the knowledge that the rest of the earth had been destroyed. I'm sure that was hard. Um, and there was probably this wondering of when the ark was, or when the flood was going to recede and what was going to come after that. Um, but all the same, he had been given a promise from God and he could rest in his grace that had been given to him, just as we can rest in Christ. Um, so. There is a, um, we see in uh, verse 16, or wait, no, sorry, yeah, 16, that the Lord shut Noah in. Um, and in, Jesus says in John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And I was pretty blown away um, by that comparison, that uh, it is as if that Jesus was um, that the door of the ark is a picture of Jesus. It's a Christophany, if you will, that the Lord uses um, the door to shut them in. And that is what 
he does through Jesus um, when Jesus died on the cross. He is our door, and the Lord used that to shut us in from sin. He kept us from the judgment that is coming. Uh, so the ark is lifted above judgment. I'm realizing I'm flying through my notes. Um, but that's okay. Uh, so the ark lifted above judgment. Um, I will read the rest of the chapter here, and then we'll talk about that. And so this is verse 18 to the end. The waters prevailed greatly and increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, and all whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, and all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing, and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him on the ark remained alive, and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Um, one thing about this is the Lord keeps his promises. He is faithful to provide grace and salvation, and he is also uh, hard in the fact that he has justice, and he does bring justice, and there is a set time frame where there is a window of grace and of salvation, and then that window will be shut, and there is now judgment. And his judgment is exact and perfect and complete. Uh, it says that the waters rose above the mountains, and the entire face of the earth was covered, just as it seems to mention in the beginning of Genesis, where it says the face of the earth was covered with water. Or the, the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the waters, and we now see that happening again in Genesis. And so everything has been destroyed. Uh, and I was asking myself, why did the Lord use a flood to condemn the rest of the earth? Um, and it was kind of interesting how the Lord brought this. I got caught on the breath of life. Um, God gave the breath of life to all of creation at the beginning. Uh, all the land-dwelling creatures in mankind, he breathed life into them. And to man particularly, he breathed the spirit which gave us our identity with God and why we took on his appearance, his nature. Um, but he breathed air into us. And water, and drowning particularly, is actually the taking away of that gift that we were given. It is the expelling of the spirit of life. Um, and it is a separation from what was given to us. And if we look at the coming judgment, the second judgment, um, not necessarily by fire, but the spiritual judgment where the Lord takes a look at those who are his and those who have not come into him. There is a separation that happens, a separation of God's presence from that person that has been condemned. And the vice versa for those of us who are found in Christ and have received grace, we become closer to him and perfected in our spiritual walk with him. So I thought um, that was both something that induces the fear of the Lord greatly when thinking about um, the taking away of that gift and how much I treasure the spiritual walk I've been given and the gift of the Spirit and uh, the terror that would be if we were to have that removed and that this is a spiritual death that would be coming upon us without Christ. A spiritual separation for eternity from the presence of God and a taking away of the gift that he originally gave us during creation. Um, 
This might be really short, guys. Uh, so the Lord breathed into us this gift, and now he's taken it away from because of sin. But he also gave Noah redemption and salvation, and there is still the breath of life on the earth, and there's still the continuation and promise of life that will continue, and now we have that continuation as well as Christians in our charge to preserve the truth and to preach righteousness to this generation until the doors close. Um, in the last couple years, I didn't really feel like I had much of a heart for the lost. I was so kind of caught up in my own spiritual walk, the focus was on me, um, and my own fear of wondering if I was saved, if I was walking in grace or not, kind of like the conversation that was happening this morning in Bible study. And recently, um, as the Lord's done a work in my life, I've begun to experience more of a burden for the lost and for the world that is dying out there. Um, in reading this, um, I was just struck by, by Noah and, um, and also Jesus. And Noah and Jesus have an incredible parallel to one another. If you think about uh, that Noah was a builder of salvation and that Christ during his ministry here on earth and still now is our builder of salvation and he has completed that object of our salvation, which is grace through his blood. Um, and um, I was talking with Laura last night, actually, more upon that idea of the of that spiritual separation and what Jesus actually suffered on the cross. It wasn't merely just a physical death um, that I think I tend to think of the most with his, which was horrible. Um, you know, the cat and nine tails, the floggings, and then the death on the cross, which is one of the, if you research it, is one of the worst deaths you could possibly die in terms of exacting as much suffering out of a human being as possible. Uh, but it was the separation of the spirit that got, that Jesus became sin for us. And he took on that, uh, that image of sin uh, that the father turned his face away. And that was the real uh, judgment coming upon against sin was that this is what had to happen for sin to be denied, for human beings to be saved is that Jesus had to take that turning away of his father from him. And that was the suffering, I think, that Jesus really did not want to go through because he had that deep intimacy with his father. And I don't, I don't even know how to begin to explain the, um, the depth of that or how it looks that in the Trinity there was a separation for a time. There was a, a tear, if you will, between the son and the father that occurred. Um, but we know that Jesus did take on sin for us, but he also lived the perfect and sinless life, and that was the promise that gave him resurrection, is that the Lord's judgment upon that sin was perfect, but Christ was free from it because he lived the sinless life, and he was able to return to life again because he was innocent of that, which is just really cool all the way around. And so I think the conclusion for us... Uh, is that we've been called to be preachers of righteousness in this generation. Um, that we are Noah's, we are Job's, we are Daniel's in this time. Um, and we have, been shown, we have been told and commanded to spread Christ to this world. And every day, just in some of the testimonies that were had in prayer requests, there are people lost and dying. Um, there are 
people searching for the door into salvation. And we are those who show the door into salvation and that bring others to the knowledge of Christ through our own knowledge of him and what we've experienced and how we've been set free. So, um, I think that's something we need to dig into and look at, uh, I was also reflecting, this is kind of a hodgepodge, when you get into Noah's Ark, there's about a bajillion directions you could go into. You can go into salvation, you can go into grace, you can go into the work before the Ark, you can go into the animals and the symbiotic, anyway, the the things that have to do with animals and how that's spiritually significant. and so you could go in a lot of different directions, which is also the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. If you're bored with reading the Bible, um, it's not the Bible's fault. Uh, it can be overwhelming for a person like me who sees it all and wants to talk about it all and then begins to write notes about something and spends 15 minutes going through all those notes when there's so much to talk about. But it's that we are preachers of righteousness, that we need to stand up in this age. If there is darkness that needs to be rolled back, it's... Not because, it's because there needs to be Christians that roll back this darkness. And uh, I've been I've been talking with my dad a little bit about where this world's at, where our country's at. Um, and I've recognized that there needs to be repentance. And biblically, um, it came upon those who are righteous that often repented for the wickedness of the nation. That they were sorrowful, that they were grieved for the sin that was present in their nation or upon the world. And I've just been recognizing that it's for us as Christians to step up if we want to see a change and to repent and to show this lost world that we care and that we're sorrowful over what has happened in our own stake and why it's dark this way and how we have not represented the truth of Christ well. And I feel most of us in this church actually have represented Christ well, and I'm very um, thankful for that. But it's also our duty to repent for those who haven't represented Christ well and to be, bridge that gap. And I think Noah did that. I'm not sure exactly what it looked like. It called him a, a just and perfect man. Um, and we know that no one is perfect except in the eyes of God, and he found grace in God's eyes. And so I'm imagining he preached his own imperfection, but his, the grace he found in God's eyes and was offering that to anybody who helped him build his boat, anyone who mocked him with his boat, um, and all of that. And, and so that is where I'm burdened and moving forward through this, just wanting to express Christ to the best of my ability to all who need to hear it. And I know I fall short of that on a daily basis, and that is where... The ark is a picture of where we can rest in grace, that we we have come into that salvation, we have that joy, we have the privilege of being saved from judgment, we don't have to worry about that. Um, we are the freest people on earth, and we can live in that, and that is something we should share. So, I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up. So I'm going to pray quick. Uh, dear Jesus, thank you for your gift of salvation, for your work that we can enter into. I ask, Lord Jesus, a special blessing over all of us here that we, like Noah, would be able to enter into our salvation, into our grace that we've been able to receive through Christ and rest in it. Um, that whatever whatever you've put before us to work in, whatever um, 
hardship, whatever uh, joy there is, that we would that we would rest in that, and that we would not become worried about the state of this world, Lord, but that we would do what you commanded us to do, which is to preach your righteousness, to preach the gospel and the good news to those who need to hear it. And outside of that, to just uh, dwell in intimacy with you and to be focused on, on building a relationship and a, a depth with you that, that we have been commanded to have and to enjoy through your life. And so I pray that uh, we would all just go with it go away from here experiencing uh, something like that, Lord Jesus, and what that looks like for each one of us. Would we learn from Noah? Would we learn from uh, the judgment? Would we learn from the coming judgment that we have been promised? And that just as Noah uh, knew that judgment was coming, we also have been told that judgment is coming, and it's easy to, to lose sight of that and to push it off, but there is a countdown that is currently going on right now, and while we are safe, in grace, we need to be reaching out for those who are lost and who do not have access to grace at the moment, except through the truth of your gospel reaching them. And so I pray that we would take that commission and go forth with it. Thank you, Lord, for your grace over my preaching. I just pray that if anything was said that wasn't of you, that it would just be uh, denied in the name of Christ Jesus, that only the things and the truth of you would remain in the hearer and the listener's ears today. Um, and that there be a blessing from that. And so we thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.